Yeah, we've had stretches too, other times of the season. So yeah, try not to get too high or when we've been low, try not to get too low. But yeah, but it definitely uh, definitely feels like maybe we have a little bit of that edge and swag back, but we got to keep it. What is up, everybody? Live from City National Arena. We are rinkside. Nothing really going on, even though the scoreboard is counting down, and there are at least one goal on the board already. Golden Edge crew, Adam Hill, Ben Goats, and special guest David Shane here with us. As we get into everything going on in the world of the Golden Knights, first of all, thanks as always for listening to us, for checking us out. Anywhere where you subscribe or get podcasts, make sure you rate us. Rate, I guess you rate a podcast. Comment. You can give us a number of stars. Give us five stars. Yes, like, share, all those things. Spread the word of what is going on here on the Golden Edge podcast uh, each and every week. We are out here again. I know we were out here before with uh, Ryan Reeves. And now I think we're going to try to make this, you know, get get out of the studio a little bit. As lovely as it is and as fun as we have in the studio, I like, you know, getting out and, you know, being amongst the people. So it's cool being out here at City National. And hopefully we'll be here a little bit more and we can have you guys come down and ask questions and things like that in the future. Uh, but thanks for tuning in as always. And there is a lot to get into this week. Ben, there's big changes with the Golden Knights and we've talked about those changes, but they have taken effect, and things are good already. Things are rolling. They have won four straight now over the Dallas Stars, Florida Panthers, Anaheim Ducks, just to beat the Vancouver Canucks 3-0 on Sunday. And you can just tell this team feels really confident about this game right now. Kind of all throughout the lineup, in those four wins, 11 different players have goals, 11 different players have assists in those wins. So it's a lot of guys contributing to a nice stretch for them right now. Yeah, and you know, as you mentioned, they've they've got these wins under their belt, uh, but I I don't know exactly how good they are yet. I think we're gonna find that out uh, over the next couple of weeks. So, uh, Dave, I guess that that is the first question. How much can we tell from what we've seen so far? I mean, you're gonna get a boost from a new guy like Mark Stone. That's that good. The rest of the players get the message sent. Hey, you know, this is this is the organization believes in us. They're going for it now. So it's not only just his presence, but everything that that brings. But how good are they right now? Do we know yet? Probably not. Um, just based on the competition, to be quite honest. Uh, and to be fair, I don't think anybody would say that Anaheim uh, at this point in the season is uh, you know, on the upper end of, of the NHL. Uh, Vancouver is obviously struggling a little bit, improved from last year. But that was a Vegas flu effort uh, on Sunday, I think we yeah. saw. Um, Though they denied it, Bo Horvat denied uh, it after the game. That was great. Uh, the one thing that I do think is encouraging, though, to be quite honest, is the play of Flurry. Um, and even though he's not been getting a lot of shots and clearly didn't get a lot of shots in that, you know, game against Vancouver, he just looks, you know, a little fresher, a little more mentally sharp. Uh, you know, we're not seeing like some of the the stick handling mistakes and and things like that that we saw a little bit, you know, when he was uh, going through that stretch where he was losing games. I think it was like five in a row personal uh, losing streak. So I, th I think that's probably m the most encouraging thing. Maybe they can get him some rest uh, going forward. And if he continues to play well, uh, then, yeah, then, then you feel like, you know, what you're seeing right now is not necessarily a mirage. Yeah, so that's uh, NHL first star of the week, Marc-Andre Fleury. Ah, yeah. yeah good note. Yeah. Thank good you. Note. We throw that in. Uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, obviously, he's you mentioned first star of the week. He's been... Very good, but the team in front of them has been limiting the opportunities, lim limiting the dangerous chances, and everybody is contributing. And you know, eleven different guys with goals, eleven different guys with assists over this uh, over this stretch uh, with stone, the Stone Age, as it's known. I think uh, that's that's what it's been 
come to be known as the the Golden Knights post deadline is the Stone Age. Uh, so, I, I guess what the impact that he's had on the team is so much more than just his presence because guys, are, you know, you have a more dangerous third line. That's a big factor. The first line has kind of got a little bit of a kick in the butt. We've heard from them that hey, you know, that second line is so dangerous and so potent. Now we've got to step up our game to be even better. And, you know, Alex Tuck now playing on the third line makes that more dangerous. The fourth line has always been, you know, a factor. So I, I think, you know, that's really what you're seeing is that the the team is just much deeper and much more, you know, much more dangerous at all levels now. Yeah, I think that's what definitely what we're seeing. And Max Pacioretty actually had a really good quote about this the other day, and he kind of compared it to the impact that a defenseman Nate Schmidt had on this team once he came back from his 20-game suspension. And when Schmidt came back, this team went on a run. And once Mark Stone entered the picture, this team has been on a run right now. So actually, let's listen to what Max Patch already had to say. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a lot of the Schmitty situation. Um, when we missed him, I think it put people in places, uh, uh, you know, that they weren't comfortable in. I think it, it's important to have a role on your team and, and feel comfortable and confident in that role. I think Stoner coming in and, and uh, kind of uh, giving us that balance throughout our lineup. Um, I see a lot of similarities uh, in our forwards now compared to when Schmidt came back from from his his long absence. And um, you know, it's not one player that makes a huge difference. I think it's one player that kind of puts everyone in a position to succeed with uh, a role that they're comfortable in, and and it leads for uh, you know our forward group now to feel confident that no matter what line you put on the ice, you feel you have an opportunity. Um, to change the game, and, and we've seen just that with everyone contributing to these last three wins. So that's his way of summing up, I guess, what we've just been kind of talking about as well. But uh, what do you make of that of that comment and, and how the team is feeling, uh, you know, after the acquisition of, of Mark Stone, Dave? I mean, I think he's right in terms of how it spread everything out. I know it was a question that I asked Jar Glenn just because we've seen some other teams kind of doing it where – you know, they want three strong lines and, and not necessarily trying to rely on, on one or two. I think, you know, the Knights have, have done that maybe a little bit too much this year. But now all of a sudden you've got a guy like Alex Tuck who was a leading scorer for, you know, a majority of the season on your third line. It, it, you've got Cody Eakin who is kind of starved for wingers that, you know, can can do some things offensively. Now all of a sudden he's got a couple guys. It, it gives you a top nine instead of a top, a top six. And I think we've seen it where other teams just in the last four games have had a, you know, had a, had a hard time matching up with them. You, you have to put, if you're the opposing coach, you have to put so much on that Stasny patriotti stone line because they've been so effective lately that it then helps, you know, the March so Carlson Smith line. It frees up the third line. It, it filters all the way down to the defense where, you know, Colin Miller and John Merrill now getting, you know, good matchups and, and things like that. It's weird. It's, it's one guy. And you put them on one line, but it really does affect, you know, indirectly or directly three lines, you know, throughout the lineup. I'll even throw in the fourth line there because I thought Ryan Carpenter, Pierre-Edouard Belmar, and Ryan Reeves were outstanding against the Canucks. Now, as we said, that's that's a team that, you know, isn't exactly a measuring stick that you want to use. But that's something, too, where Ryan Carpenter, we've seen him on the third line a lot this year. Well, with the Mark Stone edition, he moves down to the fourth line. And he, I thought, looked really good in a four-checking role with that fourth line. So they've got kind of guys all over the lineup contributing all thanks to a guy is, yeah, as we talked about, he has one assist in four games so far. I mean, that is not star level of production. That is not nine and a half million dollars a year level of production, but it's enabled everyone else in the lineup to feel, I think, more comfortable. 
So, yeah, we talk about what it does to everybody else in the lineup, and certainly the impact has been felt. Uh, but let's just get into exactly what Mark Stone is and what he's done. We talked about it when they acquired him, but now with a chance for fans and for us to see him uh, for four games. Just, Dave, what are your impressions of what he what he brings himself? Not you know the, We know the impact that he has on everybody else, but the, just what have we seen out of him? So I'm going to actually veer this in a, in a different direction because I think – you know, Ben, and we, we can talk about the on-ice stuff, and we will, but um, the one thing that I've noticed is, is actually maybe a little of the off-ice, and you see it on the ice, but it's it's basically the competitiveness and the intensity and the fire, um, which we've had this conversation before. I think maybe that was an element that's been missing from this team in the locker room, maybe on the ice. Um, somebody that can yell and scream a little bit and kick him in the butt. And I don't think – I'm not implying that Mark Stone has come right in and, and just, you know, taken over the locker room and, and you know, start, you know started ripping on guys or, <laughs> or doing anything like that. But I think he just when – you, when you have a guy that, that comes in and everybody starts to look to him as, okay, you know, this is a guy that's going to, you know, drive the, the ship a little bit. And he's, he's a fiery dude. It, it, it filters down to everybody else. It, it affects everybody else in a positive way. And I think that's probably the one thing that this group needed was somebody just, you know, that can grit their teeth and say, we're not going to lose this game. And whether it's getting a puck out of the zone in the third period, you know, protecting a one-goal lead, which we've, we've kind of seen him be able to do, uh, make a play along the wall, make a play, at, you know, in the neutral zone to, to create a rush, things like that. That, you know, he brings all of those things. But, but really, I think that it's the intangible that I've noticed so far is just, you know, he – I'm, I'm hesitant to bring up this name, and, and maybe it's relevant because they're playing Calgary, but he's got Neal. a little of the James <laughs> Neal in him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he does. I was going to do it for you. You were hesitant to do it. I was just going to throw <laughs> it out there. I, I mean, we've talked about that a lot of do they need that, you know, it's a locker room presence, but it's a presence on the ice too to, you know, it's you can't always just have the coaches being the ones to tell you that, and sometimes there's just there's too much camaraderie and too much, you know, good feelings, and I think that's that's fine for the most part when things are going well. When things are going bad, sometimes that doesn't always work. And you know, I don't think Stone is the same kind of abrasive guy necessarily, but I think he he understands that the you know the role kind of needs to be filled, and um, looks like he's he's willing to take it on. I think for sure, and he's got the you know it it helps if you're a guy that delivers on the ice too. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mean, like I said, he's a, he's new and he's been around the league, and he I don't think he's just going to walk in and you know start throwing things against the wall and, <laughs> and, and, you know, creating uh, chaos and things like that. But, you, you know, as he grows into this franchise and organization and, and team and things like that going forward, I think you see it a little bit more next year. Maybe he's a guy that, you know, wears an A, um, you know, maybe down the line he's a guy that wears a C and, and, and things like that in this team. But, you know, I just think I, it, it's, it's that intensity that, that seems to be missing. They just didn't have that personality. Um, I don't know if it's a Manitoba thing or, or you know, I don't know. Uh, he just seems to kind of have that. And, and, sorry, Ben. It, he he. We talk what he does. You know what he does for everybody on the ice. But for that line in particular, he's on the second line with Stastny and Pacioretty, who before the season we all looked at that line and said, "Wow, that is going to be dangerous." And they have been at times, certainly. But he really seems to have brought that line together and brought the best out of them. Yeah, not only that line, but I would say the power play, too. I think their power play has looked really good, especially that first unit with him on it. His passing across the zone has just added another dimension. But, yeah, that second line, too, with Stasny and Pacioretty, 
I think we've seen Max Pacioretty play more physical these last couple games, just kind of feeding off that intensity that Stone brings. I mean, it obviously helps when you have a guy like Paul Stasny, who's such a good passer, has such great vision on the ice, to have another weapon to use. And then now Stone brings that kind of board presence, that takeaway presence that he has with that really great stick of his that adds another dimension to that line. And he even talked about like how much he is a self-made player kind of today because he's not a very good skater, and he's straight up with it, and I think you kind of see him on the ice. It's not as smooth as it is with other guys. But because of that, he's rounded out other areas of his game to contribute, including his stick, which is why he leads the NHL in takeaways, why he's good with tips and deflections. And Pacioretty kind of talked about before the game against Vancouver why their group right now is working. I'll even add one thing on the power play, too, that that I'll agree with you is the way that Stone is on the right side, it puts March so on the left on the half wall, which is where I think he's better, especially on the power play. Um it gives you kind of two creators. It gives you two playmakers on both sides of the ice, which I think we've seen. I don't think we've necessarily seen it, you know, in the goals, obviously the Carlson goal, but it just makes them more effective all around. It puts guys, you know, in spots where, th- at least for me, they're more dangerous. I thought March so is more dangerous on the left side than, than he is on the right, and Mark Stone looks very comfortable, you know, where, where he is kind of working that point kind of on the half wall, uh, you know, down to the faceoff dot. Totally agree. Like I said, I think he's looked comfortable on that second line, and uh, Max Pacioretty kind of explained why they're working. I mean, I don't know what the stats would say, but I would. I think we had almost, uh, as a line, like 10 posts. Um, missed multiple breakaways, so many chances, and we just know that if we keep at it, that um, you know the floodgates will open, and we feel that we've been playing pretty strong. I think our first period of the last game wasn't great, but oftentimes as a line, it's good to go through stuff like that and kind of talk it out. And we got much better as the game went on. So I feel like our line has been uh, generating a ridiculous amount of chances. And it's only a matter of time before they go in. And, and when they do, it feel really good. So more from Max Pacioretty there. Uh, you did mention something. I, I, don't, I don't know if we should go too far into this. Because I will tell people right now. And you've already said it, so we can get back into it. It has almost... I don't want to say ruined the games. It is such a distraction during the game. To I'm obsessed with watching Mark Stone skate now. And so when you point out the, you know, he's not a great skater, I don't, if you're listening to this, don't start watching him skate. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah. It's so distracting. It throws me off It'll every time. It'll be the only time. thing you can see. Yes. It's all I watch now. Yeah, I'm the same way. Every time he's on the ice. And, and listen, of course he can skate. He's an NHL player. He knows how to skate. But it's just, it's, it's not smooth at all. And I think... It, you know, I think this is even more impressive that he's able to do what he does on the ice and be so effective and just not be a high-level skater. It's it's insane to me. There are certain guys I grew up watching Luke Robitaille, and Luke Robitaille is – Luke Robitaille, I'll say this, is a worse skater than Mark Stone. Like, by far. Mark, Luke Robitaille – I'll actually tell a story. I, I remember I was at a clinic one time when I was a kid, and he happened to be out there, and – he started skating laps, and, and there was a kid that I played with that was a very good skater but was also very cocky and was kind of like, I'm going to go, you know, whatever. And he started skating, and he just basically was like, I'm going to show up Luke, Luke Robitaille because Luke Robitaille can't skate. Um, <laughs> but Luke Robitaille scored, what, 500, 600 goals or, or whatever it was in the NHL. I think he's in the Hall of Fame. Um, I, I don't know that Mark Stone's going to do that, but, you know, guys that, that are smart and figure out ways to – you know, survive and, and make up for 
you know, a deficiency. And, and like Ben talked about, his stick, you know, he, he's not the fastest guy. He's not going to, like, you know, explode out of the zone. But he's so good along the wall at, you know, whether it's freeing up a puck for himself or freeing up somebody else, digging something out, and then, you know, making the right pass. It's, it's just – it's a very subtle game. It's one of those things that, you know, unfortunately all the things that people – rip on Vegas hockey fans for not being, you know, aware of, they're going to watch Mark Stone and, you know, educate themselves, I guess, you know, a little bit. Not that Vegas fans aren't educated about hockey, but, you know, he's just, he's going to grow on people. It's not necessarily the goals and the assists, uh, you know, that that he produces that, that makes him effective, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think he's a guy that you have to watch up close to really appreciate, and this is a hockey cliche, like the little things that he does that contribute to winning. I mean, Max Pacioretty talked about how good he is at zone entries and how they enter the zone with the puck and how that helps their offense. I mean, that's obviously a thing that doesn't really show up on a stat sheet, but it really helps that line generate chances. And they're going to need to keep generating chances because two out of their next three are against the Calgary Flames, who are leading the division. This is kind of a big matchup, a potential playoff preview if these two teams keep playing the way that they are so uh, Adam I think it's gonna be a really big test for the Knights yeah and you know this is it's, it's an, a weird spot that the Knights are in right now playing Calgary they play them twice in the next three games they play San Jose twice this month as well they've got opportunities against the teams that are ahead of them if you look at the standings right now and are realistic you look at it and say yeah they're not catching them they're they're, they're gonna finish third place they're almost certainly gonna hold off Arizona they're gonna be in third place they'll be in the playoffs but because the way the schedule sets up, there is that opportunity to maybe start to make up some ground. Now, if you lose one of the games to Calgary, I think you can pretty much throw that out. So you have to win those games. You have to be aware of it. And I know the Golden Knights don't like to look ahead. It's you know it's one game at a time, but it's human nature. Everybody does it. So I, I think they know where they are. But I think, to me, even the bigger thing is you could very well be playing them in the playoffs. You want to send the message. It's going to be very, very hard to come into T-Mobile Arena and win a game. If they don't sweep all three of these games, and especially against Calgary, you can start printing the uh, third-place playoff tickets, I guess you could say. Uh, you know, they're getting three games at home uh, in that first round, and you know, you'll, you'll see what happens. I think if they're going to make any kind of push, if they're going to make any kind of run at catching, you know, whether it be San Jose or Calgary, it has to start Wednesday. They have to win both games against Calgary. They have to win both games against San Jose. They have to continue, you know, this four-game run has basically got to turn into about eight or nine, um, you know, and then and then you kind of go from there. But it, it, I don't want to say it's a make-or-break week, but if if they're going to do it, this is this is when you when you gain ground. These are those four-point games that you talk about. You know, Calgary can't can't pull away if the Knights are you know taking two points from them. So if they're going to do it, this would be the time. And even if you don't do it, as Adam said, I think it's important to you know send a message to show that you're peaking at the right time these last 15 games like we talked about there's an outside chance that they could rise up the standings it's probably not going to happen so worst case scenario you at least want to show that we're going to be a tough out in the playoffs like Johnny Gaudreau we're going to be physical with you in the corners we're not going to make you comfortable we're going to put a scare into uh, Mike Smith for the Calgary Flames who I think is a major question mark in goal for that team and so I think there's little things that you can do to show that your game is peaking and that maybe that team is vulnerable that you can then take into potentially a playoff series. The Knights continue to also not have the greatest of record against teams that are in the playoffs, or at least you know look like they're going to make the playoffs. So to, to you, and I guess you guys can both answer this, is 
how, mu how much do they need to have that confidence that, hey, we can beat these elite teams if they're going to try to make a playoff run? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you always feel better about yourself when you're beating good teams. You feel better, uh, you know, about your game. I, I think the Vancouver game, and, and again, not nothing against them, and, and obviously Anaheim, but those are teams that are struggling. Those are, those are teams that, you know, in that the locker room behind us, you probably feel like, you know, going into it, okay, that's two points that we should, you know, probably come out of here with. You're disappointed if you don't. Uh, so from that standpoint, I don't know that you really learn a whole lot about yourself. You learn a lot more, you know, playing against a team like Calgary, um, playing against a team like San Jose coming up, playing against a team like Winnipeg coming up. Um, you want to be battle-tested. You, you want to, you know, what's that, iron sharpens iron and, you know, all those sorts of things. So, you know, playing good teams is going to get you ready. Um, but, yeah, I totally agree. I think a lot of it, too, is a message thing and, and confidence. They have to feel good about, you know, their own game against those teams that they're going to play, I think. You know, as much as we talked about Carlson's goal last year and 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 how spectacular it was and whatever, I think there was also a message sent to San Jose that you know, hey, when we meet in the playoffs, you know, we can beat you guys and we know we can, we know we can skate with you. So I think I think there's a lot of that, you know, this week too that they have to establish with with Calgary because Calgary scores a ton of goals and they are fast and they skate and you know they they plant a seed you know the other way and you know. You don't want that doubt, I guess, going if it, into If it's 7-2 again, yep. you don't want to have that memory in the play when you play in the right. playoffs. But on the other hand, the Knights have also beaten them 2 nothing and held the very high-scoring team to no goals. So I think it's all about what confidence can you bring to your game. You know, if the Knights get them in a low-scoring game, maybe they feel like, hey, when we get in the playoffs and things are more physical and more chippy and kind of tighter, we can play with this team. And it's all about, I think, just having confidence in yourself and your game at this time of the year that we can walk into any building, and if we play the way that we know how to play and that's a hockey cliche but that they will feel good about their chances yeah and i think that that game that you referenced the two nothing game is the blueprint to be quite honest going forward uh whether it's in you know this next couple of games or whether it's in the playoffs i think that's how you have to play i don't know that they want to get into a racehorse up and down you know pond hockey game with uh with calgary i think if they can you know establish some you know defensive superiority i know that's a weird phrase but you know just you know, establish their game. That's another cliche, but, you know, not get into a 6-5 game. I don't think that benefits them against Calgary. Um, but I do have the same questions you do. Uh, you know, Mike Smith and, and Riddick are inexperienced. You know, one's inexperienced in the playoffs, and the other is, is a big old question mark. Mike Smith um, was pretty brutal in a loss to the Minnesota Wild uh, this past weekend, uh, playing a bad puck behind the net, letting in a softie from uh, just past the blue line. It's yeah. a real going to be question when they get into April and May. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that game was Thanksgiving, which is a while ago. You do it now, and you feel, you know, much different kind of going into April that, you know, okay, this is fresh in everybody's mind that, you know, if we put the clamps on them, we figure out some things, you know, like you said, be tough against Gujo in the corner. Um, figure out a way to combat Matthew Kachuk and, you know, just his antagonism and, and things like that. that. I'll tell you what, that would be an interesting aspect of a series – um, if they end up playing, you know, six, five, seven games, whatever it might be, or whatever is, is the, the Matthew Kachuk effect. And um, whether Ryan Reeves or somebody can combat that, eliminate it, um, how much it becomes a factor, uh, that's maybe the one thing that's different with, uh, with uh, Calgary than San Jose. I guess San Jose's got Michael Haley now. Um, but Kachuk is a top six guy that can just become a major, major factor. 
um, in a series. We could see him become a major, major factor, you know, in the next couple of games. We'll see. By the way, if you heard a conversation behind us, there was uh, Coach Gallant meeting a friend of his that was here, and uh, nobody was going to tell him to be quiet so we could do our podcast. We weren't going to – We were gonna, <laughs> none of us were going to stand up and make that – comment so he's uh he's no longer a verse holder so now we can say all the bad things about the yeah, golden i'm sure he was rolling his eyes yes. at us too as we were. <laughs> yes, ex- exactly exactly uh so you, you we mentioned the goaltending situation in calgary the golden knights goaltending situation is very good right now uh it's been good for the most part you know for each of the last year and a half since they've been in existence but there was some some stretches where there was question marks about flurry's fatigue and whether he had been playing too much and maybe that was causing some downturn he had about you know, a month and a half stretch where he didn't have any games where he gave up less than two goals. And now all of a sudden he's the number one star of the week and he's playing very well again. Now, a lot of that is competition and a lot of that is the team not allowing chances in front of him, but he's been very good. And I think the Golden Knights have to have to start, you know, feeling or they I think they do feel a lot more confident right now and where they are in terms of their goaltending situation, because Malcolm Subban's had some good efforts as well lately. Yeah, minus that one against the Florida Panthers. I don't think that one he was. He came up big in the shootout. He is. He's very good in shootouts. But, yeah, Fleury hasn't allowed a goal in about 168 minutes. That's pretty impressive. He's won three straight after Day said that five-game losing streak. And uh, he's allowed less than two goals, obviously, in each of these last three starts after allowing at least two goals in 16 straight starts. I think he's started to become smarter about how he prepares for these games. He took an optional practice off the other day. I think he said he's going to try to do that more moving forward. He's going to try to be smarter about how he works out in the gym. And uh, Dragalon actually did talk about that after Sunday's game. He's been outstanding. Like I said, uh, Fleury's a guy. I mean, he can take any day off he wants besides playing the games. Uh, he's, he's a rustic guy. He feels real good, and he's got lots of jump in his legs. And like I said, he played a lot of games, but I know the guy's got that. He feels great now. So people worry about him playing too many games. And, you know, we come to him and we talk to him about that, and he said, I feel good. I want to play the games. And he gets his rest time, you know, some of these days off, and he takes care of him. He's a true pro, and, you know, he knows what he needs more than we know. So things are going well for Flurry. Things are going well for the Knights. Getting down to the home stretch. Now, first of all, I do want to say Flurry has a shutout streak of 168 minutes, 43 seconds. Dave, do you want to dispute that? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to dispute it, but I'm also, like, Completely, one hundred percent incorrect in in disputing. So it. you have a you have a hot take on the the goalless the how long well, he's no, been okay, scoreless. Okay, okay, okay. But you also realize that your hot take is probably it's totally wrong. It's okay. totally wrong. It's totally wrong. So the hot take was that basically it was one hundred and sixty eight forty seven based on sixty minutes against Vancouver, sixty against Anaheim, and then it was forty eight forty seven against Dallas. Uh, as Ben Goetz pointed out, though, there was four seconds in a delayed penalty. That has to be accounted for. Now I uh, made the comment that's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> he still didn't give up a goal. <laughs> right, right. And by the right. way, he's still kind of on. The, he just kind of hangs over the board. Right, like, right. <laughs> and that's my thought originally. But then I started thinking about it, and I, and I thought, okay, well, what happens if during that delayed penalty they make a pass and it goes flying down the other end of the ice and it goes into the empty net? Does that count against Flurry? No. Well, it probably can't count against Flurry. So if it can't count against him, then those four seconds do have to to factor in. He's off the ice. He can't like have a goal against him, right? So I realized that uh, my stupid was stupid, um, and that it actually is one sixty eight forty three for for Mister Flurry. That's, yeah. that's where we stand at his streak going into now. Ben, you were right. Math. You had it all along. Math is, uh, 
Math ben is my speciality. <laughs> ben is very, very much technical, and those four seconds don't count. So uh, that is where we're at right now, 168 minutes and 43 seconds. Flory will put that on the line against Calgary, and then it's into the home stretch. You know, 15 games remaining. They're, they're fighting for – I, I want to say they're fighting for the last spot. They're, I mean, they're not – they should – be in a pretty comfortable position uh, heading down the stretch here. They've got some games that they'll be big favorites in, and if you, you if you put those games away, and Arizona's not going to win every single game the rest of the year, I don't think. We think, yeah. Uh, so they should be kind of settled into where they are uh, as the playoff you know as the playoff run starts, as the home stretch begins. Ninety five point three percent chance of making the playoffs. Only 7.1% chance of being a wildcard team. That's more math from Ben Goats. Hockeyreference.com's math. I can't take credit for that. Well, you found it. I think you just say that's yours. You find something, it's yours. Yeah, check it every morning. See what the <laughs> odds are at. The so odds are looking good for the Knights right now. So that's, that's where they're at. So they're, they're most likely settled into that third spot uh, for the playoffs. They'll play on the road against either Calgary or San Jose to start the postseason. So what are the storylines that people should be watching down the stretch here as they get ready for playoff viewing in a few weeks. I just think it's uh, confidence for this team. Nate Schmidt talked about it after the Vancouver loss, that you want to feel confident about your game. You want to be making plays with your teammates now because the plays that you make in these last 15 games are the plays that you're going to make in the playoffs. There's no switch, you know, at least according to Schmidt, that you can all of a sudden flip in the playoffs and play better. So you need to feel good about your game these last 15 in order to then be confident going into the postseason. I think the biggest thing for me is up front and whether especially the addition of Mark Stone and kind of what we talked about, how the lines kind of filtered out, whether whether that can jumpstart the Carlson line. Um, if they get any sort of production resembling like what they got from them last year going into the playoffs, um, if those guys become an effective, I guess, you know, first line 1A um, with, the, with the staffing line, whatever it might be, if the, especially if those guys get going, it just makes them – so much deeper, so much tougher to match up against. Um, and it gives them the fire firepower, quite frankly, to uh, you know to run with, with San Jose and, and Calgary because at least in the first two rounds, you know, however it shakes out, they're going to end up in third place and they're going to probably play one. You know, they're, they're going to play one of those teams in the first round um, and then obviously in the second round too unless there's an upset. And those teams score a lot of goals. So if the Knights are able to, you know, get back – to the goal scoring pace that they were close to last year, um, which I think has been the biggest difference. You know, that, that for me is one of the things I'm looking at going forward is, is just, you know, offensively, if they can get that thing clicking, you know, maybe they got to run in them. So we, you know, we'll watch those things down the stretch, but as we said, they're most likely going to play on the road against San Jose or Calgary to open things up. Who would they rather play? Because I think it's pretty clear that they're that Calgary is a team you'd rather play in the playoffs in the first round. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, hundred percent. With the goaltending situation that we just talked about, and I think San Jose is a ton of firepower that you don't want to mess with. I think the other side of it too is San Jose is unreal at home this year. I think it's like twenty-one five and five. Yeah. Um, something like that. So if they're getting home ice and they got four games, you know, there, you know, we'll see. Maybe you feel better about going up to the Saddle Dome, um, depending on what happens this week. Obviously, seven-two. Uh, isn't isn't a memory you know from November you want stuck in your head, but I think it's 100% Calgary. I just think there's more questions about them, you know, in the playoffs being postseason tested, the goaltending situation, you know, all the all those sorts of things. And all the more reason to put all of your efforts into beating Calgary these next two games, and maybe even 
taking a night off against San Jose. You know what happened? I'm not sure. We didn't really show up today, and San Jose got those four points against us in those two games. I don't think the Golden Knights will play that way, but I don't think it's it's the worst thing in the world if it plays out that way and you beat Calgary twice and you lose to San Jose twice. Hang, hang out on first street, go to Tunes, you know, spend wow. a little time down there. Look at all that local knowledge. Yeah, San Jose Dinner, knowledge, dinner right? at Original Joe's. That's right. It's a very solid, very solid time in San Jose. Take, take your legs away, yeah. <laughs> so we will monitor that. Those are the things to watch down the stretch. Golden Knights against Calgary tomorrow night. That is the beginning of the home stretch for the Knights, and we'll have it all for you at ReviewJournal.com. Check out everything we do up there. Follow us along on Twitter as well, at David Chain LVRJ, at Ben S. Goats, at Adam Hill LVRJ, and listen to our Golden Edge podcast. Watch our mailbag segment, send in questions, all of those things. Do everything. Just spend your day at ReviewJournal.com checking us out, and we will talk to you guys again very soon. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, comment, like, share, do all those things, and we'll talk to you next week. Uh, made the comment that's stupid. <laughs>